This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome. It's a Monday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. And uh, a pouring rainstorm here in the Northeast. It's uh, been a deluge all morning. A lot of rain here in the Northeast. We wake up this morning to uh, more positive news on the coronavirus front. Uh, News that um, there's another vaccine on the way. AstraZeneca has now said that uh, its vaccine has been very effective in its trials as well. Uh, This one's a little bit different in that uh, it does not have to be stored in temperatures as low as the other two that have been uh, out. These, this one can be stored at like 36 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit instead of the deep freeze the other ones do. Uh, they tried two different ways of doing it, I guess. One of them was two full doses, and another was a half dose followed by a full dose a month apart, and that was 90% effective. The two full doses, for whatever reason, were only 62% effective. I don't understand that, but whatever. Um so we've got another one on the way, and this one's cheaper to produce. Uh, so, and, and they're saying now we may have our first doses of the vaccine going here in the United States by December 11th. That'd be huge. But as uh, I, I don't know if it was Anthony Fauci or somebody said this weekend, you know, this is like, you know, the cavalry is coming. You know, you're surrounded. The cavalry's coming. But you don't stop shooting bullets you know, waiting for the cavalry to come. You have to keep fighting it off. So that means, folks, keep wearing a God-blessed mask. (laughs) I can't say it enough. I actually went out the other day to the grocery store, and there were three people in the grocery store without a mask on. And it's funny, in this day and age, you know, you see somebody without a mask, it's like like a Martian. But you wanted to look at them and say, what the hell is the matter with you? You know, and they'll come up with some excuse, I'm sure. But anyway, so uh, help is on the way. And, you know, they are saying that that once this gets here, that herd immunity could happen within a few months. Look, maybe by the spring. Maybe maybe by the spring. Just keep doing it. Don't give up. I know it's frustrating. There's a lot of people that are dealing with the fatigue. You know, I have that some of that in my family. The, this past week, I was at my mom's house. You know, my mom moved into a senior living uh, community. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a senior living community, really. It's, it's housing for over 55. You know, but they've got a clubhouse, and they have all these things that, that normally they do together. But because of the coronavirus, everybody's social distancing. My mom's like, I moved into this place thinking I'd, you know, have a lot more interaction with people, and I'm stuck in this apartment. And I get it. I get it. You know, my wife's aunt. Same deal. You know, she's somebody was volunteering all the time, going out to dinner all the time, going to the movies. She's been stuck in her house since March. It's wearing on people. I get it. We got to hang in there for a few more months, folks. Help is on the way. 
All right, let's get to sports. Uh, college football this weekend. Some great games. Um, Indiana gave it their best shot against Ohio State. Uh, still lost a game, but it was a good game. 42-35, Ohio State wins it. Alabama with a route of Kentucky. So Alabama is the consensus number one in college football now. They get uh, all 62 first-place votes. Uh, Notre Dame, two. Ohio State is three. Clemson uh, is number four. And then it's uh, Texas A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, Brigham Young, Oregon, and Miami to round it out. Um, the thing that I want to bring up here, and this, you know, Clemson's game against Florida State got canceled late this weekend because of the coronavirus. Just literally a few hours before they were supposed to play. They were having uh, – uh, Clemson had gone down to Florida. They were having a team meal outside in a big tent. And uh, the day before, they had found out that one of their players, a reserve offensive lineman, had tested positive in the team's latest testing round. They quickly isolated that player, sent him back to campus, and uh, they're out there now having their team meal a few hours before the game, and they get the word from Florida State that Florida State has decided they don't want to play the game because – of the risk. You know, the athletic director from Florida State said, we listened to our medical folks and their assessment of the risk, and we decided it wasn't safe to play today. Clemson said they offered additional testing to satisfy Florida State uh, and play the game on either later Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, and all those suggestions were turned down. And uh, since the medical personnel from both sides couldn't agree that the game would be safe to play, it was called off. Here's my problem, and I always I kind of like Dabble Sweeney, you know, or Dabble Sweeney, I should say, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of faith. He's a guy or professes to have a lot of faith. He professes to be a Christian. You know, he's a guy that a lot of parents want to send their kids there because this guy is kind of a father figure. And Sweeney did Clemson and himself no favors this weekend by. Coming out, and he said in an interview on Sunday night that the game wasn't called because of COVID. He said COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. You know, he said, uh, you know, in my, he said to me, the Florida State administration forfeited this game. And if they want to play Clemson, he said, in my opinion, they need to come to Clemson or they need to pay for all the expenses. Other than that, there's no reason for us to play them. He's sounding like an absolute putz. What a jerk. We are in a pandemic, and there are people dying. We have uh, almost 200,000 people a day coming down with this thing, and then this idiot, because Florida State, you know, because, and by the way, it was Clemson's player that had the positive test, not Florida State. So because Florida State goes, whoa, whoa, we want to be safe here. We don't want to put our any of our kids at risk. And look, we all know with testing, you can get a, a negative test today. You can test positive two days later. There's an incubation period. Florida State had no way of knowing that maybe, you know, there could have been 20 other kids in that Clemson team that are going to test positive this week. We don't know. But Florida State was saying, since we don't know, we don't think this is safe, so we don't want to play. Abundance of caution. Hey, in this environment that we are in right now, how the hell could anybody blame Florida State for that decision? You can't. 
And yet Dabo Swinney wants to come out and say stuff like this, and he has embarrassed himself. He's embarrassed the university. His athletic director should pull him into the office today and say, hey, shut the hell up. Now, look, Clemson was going to beat the snot out of Florida State. They were like a a five-touchdown favorite. I think they were favored by, you know, 38 points or something like that. They were going to win the game. Florida State knows it. Clemson knows it. This wasn't about who was going to win or lose this game. This wasn't about Florida State. Look, Florida State's what, two and six? They're not going anywhere. This wasn't like trying to preserve a playoff spot or anything. Look, this was just, you know, another game. For Clemson, look, after that loss to Notre Dame, they need every win they can get. Now, look, adding playing Florida State isn't going to pad their resume, all right? Uh, they're 7-1. and one. But their concern is getting, you know, they want they want to be in the ACC championship game. They want to be in the playoffs. I get it. Florida State's not going to make the difference here. So if you're Dabo Swinney, to say, come out and say that this was just an excuse, that's just wrong. In this environment today, how can you blame any school for wanting to take care of their kids? How can you? Please explain that to me. So, you know, and look, it costs Clemson about $300,000 to fly their players down there, to get the hotel rooms, to the meals. Look, I get that, okay? But it is kind of the cost of doing business in this pandemic. Uh, you know, and there is a chance they, they might be able to find a way to do this. Uh, Clemson has to play Pitt this Saturday. It's their final home game. Then they play Virginia Tech on December 5th. They're off on December 12th, the week before the ACC championship game. I believe Florida State is as well, so they could play it then. But, you know, this just sounds like idiocy to me. You know, I get it. It was a few hours before the game, and, and you know, you, <laughs> this was a, you had this in the bag. I get it. You were going to win the game. But I don't look at this as an excuse. There's Florida State. There's no. I mean, it. Uh, you know. I, anyway, it, it, I've lost a lot of respect for Dabo Swinney. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, just no reason for him to say stupid things like this. But you know what? Uh, he's a football coach. I shouldn't say that. I have a lot of friends who are football coaches. But you know, uh, sometimes we get so caught up in that macho ness of football that, you know, we look at it, we it's like we can't say, well, you know, he's probably, you know, they're probably right. Let's just be careful. And you know what? And maybe Clemson will have no cases this week. Maybe it was just this one backup offensive lineman. Maybe it's an isolated case. But I'll tell you what, if testing comes out, you know, later this week and Clemson suddenly has a half a dozen or, you know, 8, 10, 12 players that test positive, He's going to look like even more of an idiot. But just just a dopey thing to say. Dopey. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's where college football is at. Uh, there is a game that's scheduled for Friday that's already been canceled, our first one this week, after having 18 games canceled this past weekend. We're already at number one for this week. Uh, Washington and Washington State were supposed to play Friday uh for the Apple Cup which is a you know an annual game between those two schools but because of the uh uh number of scholarship 
players available for Washington State, uh, they have decided that they are going to cancel the game. There are just not enough players. So it could be the first time these two teams will not play since 1944. They said they will play it if, you know, the schedule, you know, permits somehow, if there's an open date that somehow permits it. But obviously there are no open dates in the Pac-12 schedule. But it could be the Pac-12 has allowed schools, if there's other games canceled and you want to try to put one together um, and, and you both have an open date, they can do that. Uh, but uh, So the Apple Cup is off for this week and, and likely uh, off for the year. So that's our first one of the week. We'll see how many we end up with. But uh, uh, but Swinney, shame on him. Shame on him. Uh, before we get to yesterday's football games, uh, some NBA news. Good news for the Celtics. Of course, we found out over the weekend that Gordon Hayward has decided to opt out and is heading down to Charlotte. He signed a four-year, $120 million deal with Charlotte. Uh, but the Celtics yesterday locked up Jason Tatum. He signed a five-year, $195 million extension. It was mostly a formality because he is uh, – uh, it's a rookie extension. And, and it's, those are generally for uh, up to 25% of the salary cap. But Tatum was eligible for a little more than that. He got 30% because he uh, was a third-team All-NBA selection last year. So he gets five years, $195 million. Now, they had already locked up uh, Jalen Brown last year on a four-year $115 million deal. So that means those two guys are going to be in Celtic uniforms for a while. Uh, Celtics also made a couple of moves over the weekend. Uh, they signed Tristan Thompson from Cleveland and uh, point guard Jeff Teague as well. Um, Thompson is probably going to slot right into the starting lineup. He will be – look, they needed a big man. And Thompson's a guy who averaged uh, about 12.5 points and 10 rebounds a game last year. He can block shots. Um, he's been in the league. He's a veteran. He's been in the league now for nine years, 29 years old, and uh, he will replace Daniel Tice at center, and this is a huge upgrade for the Celtics, huge. Uh, Teague is a guy that played last year for Minnesota and the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he will give them some depth. Uh, especially with Kemba Walker having some knee problems. Uh, he gives them some depth at guard. Um, he averaged uh, uh, about 11 points and five assists a game last year, so uh, he will be a valuable member as well. So good news for the Celtics over the weekend. And the only other thing I want to say about the Celtics, when Hayward decided to opt out, you know, and there was still some talk about, well, that doesn't mean he's necessarily gone from the Celtics. Maybe he'll... You know, he could still sign a, another deal for some longer-term security and then decided to leave. Well, the Boston media immediately started spinning. Well, he wasn't really happy here. His wife didn't like it here. And, you know, just trying, you know, I hate, I hate when media does stuff like this. Just report the facts. Why do we got to start speculating that, you know, it's kind of like when Tom Brady left. You know, it was all about, well, Giselle didn't like this and Giselle didn't like that. And okay, Stop. You know, but they're trying to, it's almost like they're trying to, to like denigrate the guy on the way out the door and say, ah, we didn't really want you here anyway. You didn't like it here, so screw you, get out. You know, and uh, good for Gordon Hayward's wife. She went on Instagram yesterday and basically said to the Boston media, knock it off. 
you know, and she started talking about the people that she loved in her community, that she's going to miss the, the town they lived in, in the Boston area, uh, the local businesses. And she mentioned like the cheese shop and the local police and a couple other places that she used to like to go to and said, I'm going to miss all that. I really liked it there. You know, basically just saying, you know, you're trying to, to, to cause trouble and you're trying to stir up controversy where there was none. Stop. So good for her. You know, and, and Gordon Hayward came out yesterday and on Twitter and uh, said how much he enjoyed being in Boston, That it, you know, and that he has pre- appreciated all the support he got. He knew there were some struggles because of the injuries, et cetera, but he enjoyed his time there. You know, so good for them and the Boston media. It's, and it's not just Boston. You know, a lot of the major markets do this because it's like these reporters that are supposed to be objective in a lot of ways aren't. Especially now where we have, you know, every idiot like me with a with a podcast or, or a radio show or a blog or something. And you've got people that and I, I don't want to call myself part of the media. Technically, I am now. But I was a guy that worked with the media in all my years at college athletics. I was I have a lot of friends in the media. I know how the media works. Um, and the media is supposed to be objective. But the, these guys that are beat reporters or that are with these teams all the time, they're not objective. You can say they are or they're supposed to be, but they, they have a rooting interest in the team that they are covering doing well. And I think sometimes they get caught up in all this crap, you know, about, uh, you know, almost feeling like they're part of the team. And when somebody leaves, it's almost like the reporter feels slighted. So... Uh, anyway, so good for the, the Haywards, uh, for, you know, trying to debunk that. I, I enjoyed reading that, uh, especially Gordon Hayward's wife's post. It was great. So anyway, all right, to the NFL. Uh, if you're a Patriot fan, prepare yourselves. The Patriots are not making the playoffs. It was pretty much, uh, that was pretty much locked up yesterday as they lose to a Houston Texans team, 27 to 20. And uh, the Patriots are set to not make the playoffs for the first time since, what, 2009. That may have been now, but I think it's longer ago than that. It's the first time since 2009 that they're going to have at least six losses in a regular season because that's what they've got now. Uh, but they aren't making the playoffs. They're, they are now four and six. And they are uh, they are in trouble. I mean, there is no question about it. There is no way. I, I don't see any path. I mean, I suppose, you know, if they were going to run the table, but this this club does not have that kind of talent. There really is not a path for them to make the playoffs now. And this Houston defense, you have to give them all the credit in the world. This Houston defense was the worst run defense in the NFL. The worst they held the Patriots to 86 yards on the game on the game yesterday. 86. Patriot, you know, I mean, the Patriots came in averaging 161 on the ground, and now they were playing the worst team against the run in the NFL. You expected them to go crazy yesterday. Didn't happen. Including, by the way, Cam Newton. Cam Newton had six yards on the ground. But you expected them. You know, they held Harris 43 yards on 11 carries. White had 19 yards on five carries. 
Cam Newton, three carries, six yards. And word was that uh, they were going to uh, uh, activate uh, their running back from the from the uh, from the injured list, and so they were going to have even another weapon. They did nothing. I mean, it was just brutal. Cam Newton threw for 365 yards. Look, the Patriots, the, the one thing the Patriots did do, they they protected the football. They did not throw an interception. They did not fumble the football. But they did not make the big plays when they needed to make them. Houston did. Uh, but 86 yards on the on the ground on 24 attempts. They averaged 3.6 a pop. You know, you look at the you you look at the game and the Reds the the, uh, the Patriots had more first downs. They had more total yards. They did everything. They ran more plays. They did everything but win the game. But one of the things they did yesterday that they had not done is they committed penalties. It's seven penalties yesterday for 55 yards. And Deshaun Watson, it's been a tough year for him, but he threw for 344 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and he used his legs. He ran for 36 yards and another score, and his touchdown was a thing of beauty. Patriots were actually winning the game 10-7 in the second quarter, and Deshaun Watson scored on a four-yard touchdown on a scramble. He dragged three guys into the end zone with him to score it. You know, Cam Newton was a straight drop-back passer yesterday. You know, and so, you know, it's, it's just frustrating to watch that team. And, you know, they're not they're done. They're done. So and if you are the Patriots now already struggling you get another big loss yesterday Rex Burkhead got injured in the third quarter had to be carted off the field. Uh word is this morning now I thought it was going to be a knee injury. They said it was a knee injury. Matter of fact, supposedly it was so bad that CBS didn't want to show it again. But I read this morning that it might have been an Achilles injury. So we don't have definitive word, but whatever it is, it sounds like Rex Burkhead is done, and he has been a valuable member of that team. You know, now the other, the, the only other bright spot yesterday, if you're a Patriot fan, is, you know, maybe they found a new weapon. Um, Demir Bird. Uh, in his first game with the Patriots, six uh, catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. He was everywhere. Made some huge receptions. You know, and this is a guy that Newton had some familiarity with when he was with the Carolina Panthers. So I guess that's a, a positive sign. But four and six. You know, you're still two games behind Miami for second place. In the AFC East, of course, Buffalo at seven and three, and Buffalo's got a fairly easy game this week with the Chargers. But at four and six, even if you run the table and go ten and six, you know, look, you still have Tennessee and Cleveland and Miami and Las Vegas 
and Baltimore that you've got to leapfrog to get into the playoffs as a wild card. It ain't happening. So it was a disappointing game, and it was a game, you know, you kept thinking that the Patriots were going to find a way. But Deshaun Watson, that huge rushing touchdown, and J.J. Watt was a beast. I think he knocked down, what, three passes yesterday? You know, he kept, every time Cam Newton was, uh, was dropping back to pass, it seemed like J.J. Watt's hand was up and in his face. So the Texans made some big plays when they needed to, and the Patriots fell short. They lose the game 27-20. to 20. It's 30 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. By the way, a programming note, uh, we will not have shows on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. I'll be back on Friday, uh, but uh, I have to be out of town on Tuesday and uh, Wednesday, Thursday, the holiday. So, But we will have a show on Friday. Dan Zampano is scheduled to join us on Friday to talk uh, NFL football. So we will be with you on Friday, but no shows tomorrow, Wednesday, or Thursday of this week. Uh, if those of you that uh, like to start your day, I, I uh, unfortunately will not be here the next three days. But nobody look, nobody wants to listen to me on Thanksgiving, I, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, uh, so that's uh, just a quick programming note. Uh, back to the NFL. Um, great game yesterday between the Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and uh, look, you have to give a Ravens defense that was missing, you know, a couple of key members some credit for holding Derrick Henry in check for a good part of this game. Um, you know, they didn't have uh, a Campbell who was out with a calf injury. Brandon Williams was out with an ankle injury on the defensive line. So, you know, you're putting it together with Band-Aids and bailing wire against one of the best running backs in the NFL, and they did a great job. But as Derrick Henry has been known to do, he wore him down. Uh, going into the fourth quarter, Henry only had 44 yards on 18 carries. And Baltimore had an eight-point lead. They were up 21-13. to 13. Yeah, well, the only problem is, is that in the fourth quarter and the overtime, uh, Henry had a field day. He ran for 89 yards on 10 carries in a quarter and a half. It ended up being his 600-yard game of the season. Uh, he's over 1,000 yards rushing already this year. It's the third consecutive year he's done that. And he scores the touchdown in overtime, 29-yard touchdown with 521 left in the overtime. And the Titans come away with the victory 30-24. to Now, look, they were probably going to kick a field goal to win the game anyway. But Henry put made sure that uh, that was the end of it as he comes up with the uh, – uh, with the run to put things away. Uh, Ryan Tannehill got off to a rough start, but ended up with uh, 22 of 31 for 259. Uh, Tannehill also ran, by the way, four times for 35 yards. So a, a great job by the Tennessee offense. And, you know, again, uh, Baltimore's defense being as undermanned as it was, you figured they were going to be in trouble. I mean, Dan Zapano, you know, uh, basically called this. He said he didn't think there was any way that – that uh, they were going to be able to stop Henry, and it, they didn't. I mean, they, they gave it their best shot. Uh, 
Um, so now that puts Tennessee at seven and three. They are tied atop the AFC South with Indianapolis. Baltimore falls to six and four, and they are now behind both Cleveland and Pittsburgh. They weren't catching Pittsburgh anyway. Pittsburgh's ten and zero after another uh, easy victory this weekend over Jacksonville, but they're now behind the Cleveland Browns. And you know we we'll have to talk to Dan when we get him on on Friday about this. You know we keep we keep poo pooing the Cleveland Browns, and you know, but yet here they are, seven and three, after another win. So Baltimore's in trouble. There's no question about it. And if you're the Baltimore Ravens, and you know Lamar Jackson is one of these guys that you know last year or the year before he was, you know, thought of as perhaps you know, part of that new breed of quarterback, the, you know, the athletic mobile quarterback, the guy who was as big of uh, a threat with his legs as he was, you know, with his arm. And yet he has struggled. I mean, and yesterday, 17 of 29, 186 yards, you know, eh, through an interception, you know, a so-so day, you know, and you begin, if you are Baltimore, and look, they don't have any other options right now, but you have to wonder if there is some rumbling in Baltimore about maybe Lamar Jackson is not the guy going forward. Now, I'm not saying he sh- I'm not trying to stir up controversy. I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but you have to wonder uh, if if there is some talk about that. And we'll ask Dan about that on Friday as well. Uh, another great game yesterday, another overtime game. The Colts beat the Packers. Never saw this coming. I really didn't. Um, I thought, uh, you know, the game, now it was in Indianapolis, and Indianapolis was favored, but the way, you know, Aaron Rodgers had been playing this year, you know, and Philip Rivers has, as Dan said on Friday when we had him on, he said Philip Rivers is going to throw an interception somewhere that's going to cost his team. Well, he did, but well, it didn't. He threw an interception, but it didn't cost his team. Uh, Rivers was twenty-four for thirty-six, two hundred eighty-eight yards, three touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers did his part as well. He threw three touchdowns as well, threw for three hundred and eleven yards, um, but a strong second half by the defense the difference in this one. Uh, the Packers led this game 28-14 to 14 at the half. They got just three points in the second half and the overtime. Now, you know, who knows what could have happened in this game. We, we go into overtime. Green Bay wins the coin toss. They're going to get the ball first. And a uh, couple of plays into it. Aaron Rodgers, actually, I think it was, yeah, it was the second play. A completed pass to Marquise Valdez-Scantling. He ends up fumbling the football. Indianapolis falls on it, and all they got to do is gain a few yards, get it a little bit closer for Blankenship, and they end up winning it on a 39-yard field goal uh, in overtime. And immediately after the game, Scantling uh, is getting death threats on Twitter and in his email. Honest to God, death threats. 
you know, and <laughs> he, he immediately, uh, Valdez Scantling immediately was like, death threats? Really? You people are sick. And good for him. But that's, that's you know, that's what, you know, what fan, remember, fan is short for fanatic. And in some cases, fan is short for effing nuts. But so anyway, the fumble on the second play, Indianapolis not messing around. They just run the ball three times. They end up picking up, you know, six, seven yards, get a little bit closer. Blanket chip bangs the field goal home and uh, game over. Uh, for Rivers, by the way, his 234th consecutive start, that's 10th uh, on the all-time list. He's tied with Eli Manning. And uh, and he finished the game uh, with an injury. He did something to his uh, uh, his big toe on his uh, right foot in the fourth quarter and actually uh, left the game for a little while. But uh, came back and uh, handed it off three times in the overtime, and they win the game. And so uh, if you're the Colts now, you've got a huge one next week. It's the, probably the game of the week as they will play the Tennessee Titans, both teams, at 7-3. and three. The game is in Indianapolis. So the Colts can uh, take control of their division. And if you are the Packers, you're back to an in-game or in-division game next week. You play the Chicago Bears. Now the Bears sitting at 5-5, five and five, just two games behind the Packers. And, you know, a pathetic offense in Chicago, no question about it. But they're still only two games back. If they can find a way with that defense to beat Rodgers next week, now all of a sudden it's only a one-game difference in the NFC North, and you start questioning whether that one's over or not. So a couple of good games yesterday, no no doubt about it. I love the overtime games. Last night's game, <laughs> they almost did it again. The Raiders almost beat the Chiefs for the second time this season. But th- this is why Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Patrick Mahomes, he reminds you of – I hate to bring it back to you know to New England all the time, but he is he reminds you of Tom Brady when Tom Brady was young. You know the Raiders score with a with one forty three to play. Jason Witten with the touchdown reception from Derek Carr. The Raiders take the lead, and as they're coming out for the overtime, Al Michaels says, "One forty three is an eternity for Patrick Mahomes." Yes, yes it is. It took him a grand total of one minute and 15 seconds to go 75 yards. He hits Travis Kelsey twice on there on that drive, the last time for 22 yards, and they score the touchdown with 28 seconds left, and they end up beating Las Vegas 35-31. to It was, you know, and... It's almost like the it looked like the Raider secondary was trying not to lose the game. They didn't want to get burned deep. So Mahomes, I think on three straight passes, was able to throw, you know, short of the, the defensive backs. The receivers came back to the football. The, the defensive backs are kind of playing off them a little bit not to give up the big play. Well, you end up giving up, you know, 15, 20 yards a pop. It doesn't take Mahomes very long. I mean, it was precision, absolute precision. Mahomes finishes uh, 
34 for 45, 348 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Derek Carr, pretty good game himself. He threw for 275 and three touchdowns. He threw an interception. The interception was on that last drive. You know, they had to try to make something happen, and he overthrew his man and it got picked off. So that interception really didn't matter because they weren't going 75 yards in 28 seconds with one timeout. That, that wasn't happening. Uh, so the the uh, interception to Carthrew was kind of inconsequential, but uh, the Chiefs are just crazy. And but the Raiders prove that they can hang, and they are going to be a dangerous, dangerous playoff team. Uh, they fall to six and four, but I still think they'll make the playoffs. Uh, next week, now the Chiefs, another big game, another big quarterback matchup next week as the Chiefs will visit Tampa Bay next Sunday. The Raiders get to play the Atlanta Falcons. That'll be an easy victory for the Raiders next week. Um, but uh, So a couple of big games next week, the Colts and the Titans, and then the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Chiefs and Tampa Bay Bucks, some people think, could be a preview of the Super Bowl. If you believe, as Dan Zampano seems to, if you believe that Tom Brady has made those uh, helped make the Tampa Bay Bucks the best team in the NFC. This could well be a Super Bowl preview coming up next week. So uh, that'll be fun to watch for sure. It's 45 minutes past the hour. We got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. So I want to uh, start this segment by apologizing <laughs> to Sean Payton uh, for all the things I said about him prior to this weekend's game against the Atlanta Falcons when they announced uh, that they were going to start Taysom Hill at quarterback as opposed to Jameis Winston, I uh, I pretty much questioned Peyton's sanity. Well, I guess he knew what he was doing. The Saints beat the Falcons. Now, look, the Falcons aren't very good. I get it. But you've got a guy that has never started a game in the NFL, a guy who gets used on a lot of uh, gadget plays and stuff, a guy who was an undrafted free agent, undrafted rookie out of BYU. And yet he goes out yesterday, 18 for 23, 233 yards. Now, you know, he didn't throw any touchdown passes, but what he didn't do, he didn't throw any interceptions. He ran 10 times for 51 yards, scored two touchdowns, and he he controlled the game well, and he did what he does best. He used his legs. Two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, a, a fairly quiet game, I guess you would say, offensively. Uh, only 45 yards from the line of scrimmage. Didn't catch a pass. Ran 13 times for 45 yards, and the New Orleans Saints just methodically won this game. Atlanta had a 9-3 lead late in the uh, in the second quarter, but Kamara scored a touchdown just before the half, so New Orleans went in to the half with a 10-9 lead. Uh, Hill with a touchdown run midway through the third. He gets another one early in the fourth. It's 24-9, game over, and the Saints just walked away with this. So, um I apologize <laughs> to Sean Payton. He's not as big an idiot as I thought he was. Uh, and now the Saints next week will play a uh, not very good Denver Bronco team. 
So now, now they're saying that Drew Brees is going to be out for three weeks. He's on IR, so he has to be out a minimum of three weeks. Probably, maybe, maybe even four. They said that the uh, the collapsed lung is healing well, but they found some more fractures in the ribs. Uh, so you know he'll be back when you know probably. I still think he'll miss three more games, but he could come back after two more games with a, with a flak jacket. We don't know how effective he's going to be. I mean, look, you know, you got to throw the football and you have cracked ribs. I don't care whether you're wearing a flak jacket or not. It's not protecting you when you're torquing your body to try to throw the football. Uh, I've had, we've, you know, a lot of us have had broken ribs. It is not fun, and there's nothing you can do for it. You just have to wait for them to knit themselves. It's not like you can put a cast on ribs. Uh, so we don't know how that's going to affect. So I think, I think it'll be a month. I think it'll be three more games after this, but they get Denver this Sunday. And then the following week they play the Falcons yet again, you know, and here we go. And, you know, as Dan, Dan said on Friday, you know, they did well when, uh, Breeze missed some games last year, but they had Teddy Bridgewater. Well, now Taysom Hill has shown that, uh, you know, perhaps he'll be the answer. So, uh, good for him. Good for him. You know, I, but I, it was this really, it wasn't really an indictment at Taysom Hill as much as it was, look, you've got a guy who is an established quarterback in, in the NFL and Jameis Winston. Yes, he's a walking turnover at times, but he's still a guy I thought gave them the best chance to win. And uh, Taysom Hill gets it done, so good for him. Um, just a few minutes left. I, I got to talk about the NFC East or – the NFC least. This is absolute madness, this division. The Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Cleveland Browns this weekend, 22-17. Uh, to 17. Carson Wentz is uh, brutal. Got sacked five times. He threw a couple of interceptions. Uh, Baker Mayfield, look, he wasn't spectacular, you know, but they, got, they did well. Nick Chubb, uh, 114 yards on the ground. And uh, Cleveland controlled the game. They won time of possession. You know, total offense was about even, but Cleveland controlled the game. Mayfield didn't throw any interceptions. They lost one fumble. You know, the Eagles turned the ball over three times. Cleveland took advantage, and uh, they took advantage of uh, Cody Parker's leg. And uh, and a fifty yard interception return. Uh, on the uh, one of the first plays, I think in the second quarter was it the first play of the second quarter? Second play of the second quarter, a fifty yard interception return of Carson Wentz, and uh, Cleveland took the seven nothing lead, and it just was just you know, Richard Rodgers catches a touchdown pass from Wentz. It's tied at seven early in the third. And you're thinking, okay, here come the Eagles. Yeah, they just their offense is terrible. So they fall to 3-6-1. and one. The Dallas Cowboys get Andy Dalton back. Andy Dalton throws three touchdown passes yesterday. How about that? And they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Man, how bad are the Vikings? They beat the Vikings 31-28. So now the Cowboys are three and seven. So they are a half a game behind the Philadelphia Eagles for first place in the NFC East. But wait, there's more. The Giants were off this week, so they didn't lose. So they are a half a game back at three and seven. And then the Washington football team beats the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday, 
twenty to nine. So now Washington is three and seven. So we have four teams within a half a game of each other, and none of them have more than three wins. It is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Alex Smith yesterday did just enough. Threw a touchdown pass, 17 to 25, 166 yards. They get a good game on the ground. Antonio Gibson, 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that's just brutal. And this game was made even tougher for Cincinnati where they ended up losing Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is out for the rest of the year. Torres Achilles. Uh, and uh, Burrow was 22 of 34 for 203 yards and a touchdown uh, when he had to leave the game, had to be carted off, and his season is over. So uh, one of the great uh, or one of the, the bright young quarterbacks now out for the year for the Cincinnati Bengals. So it got even worse. for It, was, it wasn't bad enough uh, that you fell to 2-7-1. You lose your, your starting quarterback. So, uh, But, man, just – just absolutely brutal. So now uh, the Eagles, after losing yesterday, have to go or have, they go back home, but they get to host the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night. Oh, so that doesn't get any better, right? If you're the Dallas Cowboys next week, you have Washington on Thanksgiving. So if the Cowboys win against Washington on Thanksgiving, they're going to have four wins. The Eagles are going to lose to Seattle. And it means that the Dallas Cowboys, despite all the struggles, are going to be back in first place in the NFC East at the end of next week. Unbelievable. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Friday. No show tomorrow, Wednesday, or Thursday. We'll be back on Friday with another edition of the Wake Up Call with Dan Zampano, uh, who will be back in Connecticut, um, back from graduate school. Uh, he'll be back for the holidays in Connecticut, so we'll have him here on Friday. We leave you this morning with a little music from Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. It's off of Garth Brooks's new album called Fun. Uh, this is a remake of the uh, uh, song from... Uh, that was done by Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. This is Shallow. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you Friday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.